Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Okay. Oh, this is um, a, the first time we're doing a, an episode of Close the Door and Come Here that is not a recap of the season four episodes. Although we did do one Q&A episode and that went off, you know. <laughs> it turned out so well. <laughs> yeah, flying colors that one was. So this one should just just be just as great. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's start with um, the introduction of our panel. Um, we'll start with uh, Torg. Hi, I am Torgover, and you can find me at Evil Torgover on Tumblr. And Chicky. Hi, this is Chicky. I am Chikrin on Tumblr. And we have a guest tonight, uh, Glam. Hi, this is Glam. You can find me at Glamophonic on Tumblr. And I'm hoping Eon's back from preparing <laughs> her gin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she is, so I'm going to introduce myself. I am Lot, <laughs> uh, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post. I almost forgot my name again. Um, you, can find me, you can find me on Tumblr under that. <laughs> and uh, Eon, are you pleased back from your gin? <laughs> I could pretend to be Eon. Okay. And Eon. Hi, this is Eon. I am Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Awesome. Okay, let's get to you. Well done. Thanks. Um, okay, so as I mentioned, um, this episode is a bit different. We've had um, some extensive research done, and I have totally have to applaud Chicky and Eon for doing all this extra work. Um, she's not here to listen to it, but I'm sure she will listen to it later. Um, I'll so- also take all of her compliments. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, we, I could not have done this episode with you guys without that amount of work that you've done. So we were looking at the first two books, um, and we're just kind of doing an overview or I guess a preview episode because following this, we're going to be doing all chapter reviews. Um, and you can look for our schedule on our Tumblr site, which I'll give at the end of this. Uh, so I guess to start, one thing that I think seems obvious when we're reading these, the Song of Ice and Fire series, is that everything we know about the characters are initially through other characters so it's a lot of it's all about perception um so we see both jamie and brianne through the eyes of others so that might be a good place to start i think um based on your initial reading of the books i just kind of want to get everybody's um sense for how they felt about jamie and or brianne um does anyone want to go first with that how did you feel about the characters when you You mean like did we hate jamie to begin with yeah pretty much yeah yeah (laughs) It's been so long since I read these stupid books for the first time. I can't even remember, really. I know I didn't hate him, because it's pretty clear from Tyrion's point of view that Jamie um, isn't maybe completely evil. But, you know, certainly he is kind of set up at his book. You get angry with him. You are really angry when he throws Bran out that window. Um, the first impression of Jamie in the books is that he's a really hot jerk. 
basically for me. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, bad boy. <laughs> Do you have a crush on him? <laughs> to begin with? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Torque? Oh, I hated him right off the bat. He's he's that guy that you hated in high school that was really good looking, but <laughs> he's just a jerk. And then you meet up with him like five years after graduation and find out he's actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> How about you, Glam? Oh, um, you know, it, it was a really long time ago for me, too. Uh, I feel like... I didn't like him. I was like, okay, well, obviously he's evil or whatever. But I didn't really hate him either. I, I, I felt like, you know, he's funny. He seems hot or whatever. <laughs> hot I wasn't funny. that bothered about it. <laughs> and Eon? Oh, dude, I hated Jamie. I really did. <laughs> I hated him. I thought he was a douchebag. I hated him all the way up to a storm of swords. Yeah. You know, and even whenever I got to like the first Jamie chapter in A Storm of Swords, I was pretty pissed. I, I do remember you saying this in a previous episode. You're like, "Oh, this asshole!" When you saw he <laughs> if I may quote, yeah. <laughs> I can't. You know, I I'm kind of like with Chicky, even though I, I I read it not too long ago, um, maybe a couple years ago. I don't really remember a whole lot about Jamie if I liked him or didn't like him. But it was when he started, um, I guess, having more of a interplay with Brienne's character. That's when I start paying more attention to him, obviously. But yeah, I, I probably didn't pay him much attention, honestly. So we've done Jamie. What were your initial thoughts of Brienne? Oh, love. Wow. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Her, she gives her one of the best introductions in the books, I think. Absolutely. She absolutely yeah, does. Like, with the so melee, great. and like she looks so awesome she's basically introduced as a hero i think yeah it's kind of hard not to like off the bat i was immediately like oh my goodness who's this (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love her and i read about her forever (laughs) so we're all unanimous that we all instantly were in love with brianne yeah yeah basically yep me too (laughs) um so now that we've talked about our assessments, our initial assessments of these characters, um, do you feel that the other characters in the book, their judgments and assessments were fair? So um, I guess we could look Good at question. Ned or we could look at Kat. Anybody want to jump in? Well, I think that obviously Martin, he plays with perspective like a lot, just as a matter of course. So I think... It's not so much that people aren't usually 100% inaccurate necessarily. It's just that they don't understand or see the complete picture of a person is what I feel like is happening. And I feel like that's more or less the same thing uh, that's happened with other people's perceptions of particularly Jamie, because I think he plays around with that with some characters more than others. And he clearly wants you to think early on that Jamie is just he's he's sort of awful and evil and he throws little children out of windows and <laughs> he doesn't really have much good to him except that he's sort of nice to his brother and you know and he he clearly wants it to be a reveal that particularly that he does have honorable notions within him because he is positioned very much I think intentionally as sort of like the opposite of Ned. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Whereas, yeah, I think it's it's interesting with Jamie, um, the, the point of views that we get him through, because Martin does slip in the Tyrion point of view early. But, you know, most of what you learn about Jamie, you learn from Ned. And Ned's view of Jamie is decidedly negative. <laughs> he is not a fan of Jamie. And um, so uh, that kind of, you know, weighs a little bit more, I think, um, in the narrative, um, what, what Ned's point of view is of Jamie. And you kind of have these little background, and you really don't put it all together until the later books. Yeah, like there were, like like you said, there was like a, f- a couple of hints, but they are very subtle, and I don't think you really catch them until you read them again after you kind of know more about Jamie. Like, um, like for example, you mentioned when he pushes Bran out the window, he does it with loathing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's not something huh. you might catch on the first read. Or um, there was another chapter where um, I think it's King Robert pushes him, knocks him over. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he kind of um, he, he's kind of meek. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone noticed that bit. Oh, yeah, he kind of knows how to play that do. game. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a member of the Kingsguard. He can't, you know, yeah. punch Robert in the face. <laughs> no matter how much he might like to. And I think he would like to. Oh, yeah. Um, so what about um, Kat's perspective? Because she's the first time we see Brienne, correct? Yeah, yeah she yes, is. Yes. Um, I actually think... Uh, Cat is pretty more or less accurate about Brienne, I think, because I think with Brienne, as opposed to Jamie, he's not, Martin isn't setting up for like this big reveal where you secretly find out that Brienne is something entirely different than you thought, you know, so I think you are more or less supposed to take Cat's view of Brienne in general to be fairly accurate. She feels sorry for her a lot. Like, yes, she that's, does. That's the sense I get with her. No, Eon's done a lot of rereading on the Brienne chapters. What do you think, Eon? Well, it, I think it is pretty accurate. I think her first impression of Brienne was, you know, <laughs> pretty. I mean, Brienne had just finished a melee. She'd fought a ton of dudes. She's hot and sweaty. <laughs> She's banged yeah. up, you know, I think. <laughs> She got like the the most accurate, I guess, first hand look at her, I guess. Yeah, I kinda like that we see her through Catlin's point of view first. I kind of appreciate that it was a woman. I think it was it was a really good way to give Brienne a fair shake kind of in the narrative. I think almost any other POV That's you would have gotten a really biased view of her. But I think Catlin kind of managed to encapsulate everything. I mean, there's a little bit of Catelyn's bias that slips in, but I, I think you kind of get a pretty accurate view of Brienne. Like Glam said, I, I don't think Martin was holding back anything special with Brienne. I think he presented her as he wanted you to see her. That's a good point. I never really thought about that, because, uh, yeah, if it had been somebody else's perspective, it probably would have been even worse. <laughs> yeah, imagine yeah. if it were Jamie first. Oh, <laughs> what an asshole, though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I um, I guess my other question is kind of still about perceptions. Do you think that their own perceptions of themselves is fair? And I guess this is probably more lending to Brienne's perception of herself. Oh, wow. What a really deep question, Lot. <laughs> I almost like... want to turn it around on you. What do you think? <laughs> um, I, I think it, um, I think it's undeserved. I think, 
obviously Brienne has like really low self-esteem because she's had some pretty horrible people in her lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Particularly her septa. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, like she's... those hurt when you have to read her, like her, in, yeah. her thinking about herself and how she grew up and all those things her septa said to her. Uh, and it's, oh. it's, it's so accurate to like that kind of sort of abuse because she doesn't even she doesn't give two thoughts to it she doesn't ever question it she's just like yeah and her septa always said that she was stupid you know etc yeah she just like accepts it as the way that the world works for her yeah it's amazing how she just accepts it and accurate i think you're right that is how it actually would be Yeah. yeah i mean if you you were raised primarily by someone who was that like abusive to you you would just kind of accept it probably you know it's depends on how it is it's very sad Brienne I know well I know like if we look at it like physically by all accounts she is an ugly woman right so she probably is looking at herself um I would think accurately like you said based on how she was raised but she uh, I, like she's she's not stupid and like i i kind of think she's not accurately looking at herself well there i don't know if that made a lot of sense but no it makes sense particularly like the example she'll example she'll give for like how her septa told her she was stupid or whatever like i i remember one where she's like uh her septa told her that the um that like uh the brothers they they shave the the top of their head so that the gods know that they aren't hiding anything. And Brienne was like, can the gods not, like, see through hair? <laughs> and she told her that she was stupid and all this stuff. And that's not stupid. That's a perfectly logical question. <laughs> clearly an inquisitive child. That's a reasonable question. Who doesn't, you know, she doesn't understand metaphor, obviously. But she's a child. It doesn't make her stupid. She's asking a practical question. Yeah. The other thing too I appreciated about Brienne's character more um, was after I read the Duncan Egg books, and uh, Dunk has like a similar thing. What's the line? Eon, help me out. Um, thick oh, as a gosh. thick as thick a, as a castle, castle wall. Dunk the lock. Thick as a castle wall. There you go. <laughs> yeah. hmm. just, I don't know. Reading. The, <laughs> if you guys haven't read the Duncan Egg, go read them because it's like reading Brienne but in a male yes. form. <laughs> Even, like, Dunk and, like, Egg are pretty similar to Brienne and Pod in ways. It's just Dunk is more masculine. Yeah. Huh. He's got a little more uh, game, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does anybody want to um, add anything else before we move on about their perceptions of themselves and if they're fair? Um, I just want to say I do very much appreciate the way that um, physically they're both introduced, how, you know... I think the first shot we get of Jamie is John looking at Jamie and thinking that Jamie's the one who should be king because he looks like a king. And then, of course, our first introduce- er, introduction to Brienne is basically Catelyn pitying her for being so ugly, so large and masculine and ugly. And I, I appreciate that you later see from them. Yeah. Okay, so I guess my next segment is, um, I've written vows and moral codes. Um, Both of the characters are driven by their sense of what is right and what is wrong. Jamie's had a bit more life experience than Brienne, so he's um, probably one of the only characters in the series that I can think of, um, if you know any others, please help me, um, that has his own moral code. 
Um, he's taken vows uh, <laughs> that some that he's adhered to, some, the major one he hasn't. Um, but he kind of does what he has a sense of what's right. Uh, whereas Brienne's much more, I think, as a character, her, her vows kind of dictate her actions. So <clears throat> how do you think this has, uh, I guess, driven their, them within the story? Well, Jamie is, is, is a moral person by his own morals, like you said. I think he does have a code. I think his code is mostly taking care of the people that he loves. I think they're kind of his moral absolute. Um, so, yeah, I think when people say he doesn't have any sort of code or that he's a psychopath or something, I'm like, I don't really think that's what we're seeing, even in the early books from him. You know, it's pretty clear when he pushes Bran out the window and he says it with the things I do for love, that that pretty much defines Jamie's character and will continue to throughout the books. And I really appreciate that. And I like that Brienne is so um, invested in her vows. I think more than anything, Brienne is loyal, and loyalty is everything to Brienne, even a little bit more than honor. I think it's loyalty that matters to her. Right. I, th- I think we have to take in age consideration, too. I mean, Jamie, he's in his early 30s in the books, and Brienne is 17, 17 to 19 years old. 17 or 18 when we meet her, yeah. Something, yeah. So, I mean, Jamie's been around a lot longer. He has more life experiences. Brienne's fresh out of Tarth right now. Right, and she, not, only, the farm. not only yes. is she, like, young, she's been very, ex- like, secluded her whole life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to have a lot to do with it as well. But you mentioned, like, Brienne's, um, she, like you said, she gives vows to people and she's about loyalty so we look at the first people she gives vows to is Redley followed by Catelyn like how is this um, I guess going back to my question how is this kind of controlled her story throughout the series I think I it's mean, important to know that uh, um, Brienne only gives vows to people that she really really believes in and I think that's part, that's the way that she can, the reason why she can be so loyal is because she, she really did love Renly before she pledged her life to him. And she really, really respected Catelyn before she went into her service as well. Do you think she gives her vows a little, I don't know. I know you, she really, really believes in them, but do you think she's giving it away too easily? <laughs> she's giving it up. <laughs> in your opinion. I don't think so, no. I think yeah. it, I think she's, pre- she pretty firmly believes in the people that she. Okay, let me ask it like this. Then. So you would give your life for a man because he <laughs> danced with you. <laughs> I'm not saying she's <laughs> rational. <laughs> I definitely think there is a clear amount of uh, just youthfulness and naivete to the way that Brienne has sort of parceled out her vows. And I think her arc is very much about sort of realizing that, you know, basically the lesson that Jamie learned essentially when he was her age. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about Catelyn? Was that a just and fair person to give your your life? <laughs> oh, I mean, you I know, she's. So. I mean, Catelyn, Catelyn's a perfectly fine person. I think in the situation, Brienne, you know, 
she felt uh, indebted to her. So, she yeah, and you know, she got to know Talon first. Yeah, mm-hmm. she spent a lot of time with her before she bowed to her. Okay. So um, we've discussed kind of how they're perceived and what drives them, but who are these characters really? And how do you foresee future, their future as characters in Westeros? So it kind of goes, I think Brienne's probably the easiest one to, well, the whole what's going to happen when she comes to the camp where Jamie is. She's been about vows this whole time. I want some theories. What's going to happen? You're talking about what's going to happen post A Dance with Dragons? Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> We're jumping from the first book to the end. <laughs> We're already in now. Oh Series over. Well, there, there's a natural uh, progression of my thoughts for this. Is we, we talk about what their core is and what drives them, their moral, the codes, their, their vows. Now, that's what it makes it so curious as to what Brand's going to do. Well, I mean, I'm personally on the boat along the lines of what I just said, that her arc is about her learning the same lesson that Jamie learned, which is, you know, sometimes those vows, they they don't, you know, there are more important things. There is a difference between perhaps with upholding an oath, which they see as, you know, holy in, in their culture and actually doing what's right. So, yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I, I do absolutely think that her arc is about her learning this lesson about the grades of life um, and understanding that, you know, there, there's honor and there's the right thing. And I think that is, you know, the lesson she's been slowly learning. We see her start to learn it almost right off the bat in Clash, and she's slowly learning it throughout the books. And then, you know, I also think um, she's a little more strategic. She's a little bit brighter than I think she gets credit for being and I do oh, think um, she's probably got something in mind at the end of things and I think she will remember the actual vows that she made to Callan and the, the vows that Callan made to her as well That's what I, I, too. I agree and I also think she might I'm going to lawyer up here and say she's going to wiggle out of it by <laughs> saying that Lady Stoneheart is not the same person that Catelyn Stark is Luke Paul Fair <laughs> argument Yeah <laughs> so all then, those lawyer AUs coming to fruition <laughs> um, so I guess um, my next question kind of you were talking about the shades of grey and um, Jamie's kind of been one of those characters that has been on the darker shade of grey well at least the perception of him is um, but he seems to be moving towards more of a lighter shade of grey as the story progresses um, so my question is, where do you think that started for Jamie? When did he start to change? If if you had an opinion on the matter. Like from well, what we see of his arc? Yeah. Uh, you, had- you know, I kind of fall into the camp that he never really changed at his core. I think the core of Jamie is always pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I think um, where his loyalties lie and what he thinks is most important kind of changes. And that's where the change is. Not so much Jamie himself, but um, what he's holding most dear. So when did that happen? <laughs> I would say that started when he was a captive at River Run. We kind of hear a little bit when we get into Storm of Swords about him saying, uh, giving little hints that his time in the dungeons may have changed him a little bit. He talks about maybe he was talking to himself. And you kind of see his internal life um, 
ready to question everything that he left behind and ready to question what he's returning to, even though he doesn't quite cognate that. So I think it happened when he had a lot of time alone to think about himself. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. Anybody? I I I think that um I do think that at the core he's he's been the same person um for quite a long time. Uh, I see it in the sense that he obviously he became a cynic after after the whole deal with with Eris and I think that he sort of buried that young idealistic part of himself and it was just easier for him I think to to just feel like okay the world is terrible everything sucks none of this means anything <laughs> you know all these vows it doesn't mean anything because you know I was in this situation where this awful situation where not just you know the fact that he saved King's Landing by breaking this vow and nobody appreciates it but that you know all the things that he had to sit through during those those first two years as a king's guard, everything with uh, and burning the, the the two Starks and all the various other people that Eris also burned um, to death. Um, I think that oh, had God. a very intense effect on him, and uh, he he definitely makes references to to stuff that just basically sounds like yeah he he has PTSD from that. So hmm. I think he just kind of buried a lot of of that idealism and he sort of I think he makes a deliberate choice to try and reclaim that after he has as as Chicky said had some time to sit around and think about himself (laughs) no I wholeheartedly agree with you Glam yeah I think he did believe in the Kingsguard when he made the vows I think he bought into the whole thing and you, you see him as he goes back through his story as we get into Storm of Swords that you know, he thinks about when he started not to believe anymore and how he got disillusioned. And yes, totally became cynical. That's absolutely the way to put it. I think he did believe, and I think he kind of rediscovers that belief. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, and you can kind of see why he has such resentment towards Brienne in the beginning, too, because <laughs> oh, yes. he's so jaded, right? Like, he was idealistic. And- I think I think he looks at Brienne and he sees himself. He sees he sees young him who believed all of these things when he was 15 that all turned out in his mind at that time to be lies. It was all made up. It was, and he, I think he, he's, I think he thinks that he was stupid for believing it and that it's, it's the wiser thing to not kind of buy into that. And I think that Brienne sort of overwhelms him with her absolute belief in those same things still. And that, that just kind of, I think it moves him. Yeah, because she doesn't get disillusioned as easily as he did. No, she doesn't. And and he does have, like, there are lines where he's just like, you know, I can't remember the exact line where she talks about, you know, how she said that she'd, you know, take him and she she made a vow. And, and then he's like, and I'll be fucked. She actually intends to keep this vow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does think that. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we're at the end of the questions that I had prepared. We kind of flew through it quickly. Um, did yeah. anyone add, add, um, have anything else they want to ask? Well, I think it would be kind of interesting to talk about 
a little bit of the mirroring of Jamie and Brienne's early stories, even though technically you don't know about Jamie's early story from just game and clash. Um, I think it's interesting that we meet Brienne as she is uh, swearing to be a member of Renly's Kingsguard, um, mm-hmm. you know, because she loves him, essentially. I mean, you know, I think she did want to be a knight and did want to be all these things, but I think it was her love for him that kind of encouraged her to do that. And I think it's so fascinating how utterly uh, Martin is kind of mirroring her story to Jamie's from the beginning and saying, let's, let's see what this is like. Let's see what it, what it does to someone to be totally disillusioned. In life. Right. <laughs> um, and I kind of love that mirroring. I don't know. Am I the only one who sees that? Maybe I go totally shippery and see all. <laughs> no, 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 it's there. I, I can see it. I mean, they're both pledging themselves to Kings, um, whose worthiness is definitely questionable. <laughs> more, so, more so with Ares than uh, Renly. Not, not quite in the same way. Right. No. But I think it's I, both for love. That's the funny thing about it. They yeah. both make their choices for love. And I think that is kind of at the core of who they both are in the end. Um, you know, they're both about love and loyalty when you kind of peel back all the layers. Aww. <laughs> oh, my heart. <laughs> I was going to have a fangasm. <laughs> <laughs> I need a smoke now. It's not her I mean, fault. It's built into the story, okay? It really is. And it's so funny how um, their stories, you know, just kind of intersect from the beginning. And you can see that they're going to be set up to play against one another and kind of be... Um, you know, first antagonists and then kind of teammates. Um, especially the fact that, you know, I think in one of Brienne's first lines, she references Jamie and calls him the Kingslayer or something like that. It's funny how it's getting its you know, hates him even before she's even met him. As and I kind of love evil. that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hates Jamie before they meet him. Poor guy. <laughs> well, I mean, there might be a reason for that. So we haven't talked about, and it's funny, we haven't talked about Jamie and Cersei, and we, we have to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, so yeah. all Jamie and Brienne shippers fall into different camps, I guess I should say, when it comes to Cersei, but what do you guys think? Do you think that Cersei loves Jamie back? I don't remember ever doubting that for a minute when I was reading Game and Clash. I don't think it was until Storm of Swords that I wondered if she really loved him back at all. Anyone well, else? I think she loves him back, but I don't think she loves him quite in the same way he loves her. I think she's mm. uh, she is a manipulator. Um, I've always I've always seen her as using the people that she quote unquote loves as tools and pawns to get what she wants. Yeah, I think that Cersei is fundamentally a narcissist and I think that she does love Jamie as much as she is capable in the sense that she loves him as an extension of herself she loves him as the person I think that she pretty explicitly wishes that she could be um, free of, yeah. of the sort of crushing institutional oppression that she faces being a, a woman in her society <laughs> she yeah wishes that she could be Jamie and being unable to be him. I think that 
her her love for him is it's just an extension of that idea like you know she has of course the infamous line that we're one person in, in, in two bodies and i think that she believes that when it is when it is efficient in, for her to believe that um and but i think that yeah it, it's interesting that you say that too that because like, the way she views him and how he was raised versus how she was raised you can see where she has like a lot of resentment towards him oh, as well. Yeah, yeah, she does. And I think that comes out much more clearly later down the line because like Chicky said, <laughs> if you just read the first two books, you will pretty much you will believe, you know, you will you will think that she does sort of like truly love him mm-hmm. in in a very in a way that's actually similar to the more or less uncomplicated way that, that he loves her, but Later on, it becomes more and more clear that she she wants so many things and she has so many ambitions and he is a part of that. And she just she she almost she almost doesn't respect him as a person like in and of himself, I I feel Mm. Mm-hmm. It, like because she leads him around so easily. Like I I. I was going to ask uh, Torg, what about you? Do you think oh, yes. Cersei loves him? I, I agree with Glam 100%. Um, I think if you asked Cersei, she would say, yes, I love him with all my heart. But I think really the it, she loves him in that she loves herself, a male version of herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, yeah, I very she- much agree. And you know, Cersei has that great scene with Ned where Ned kind of confronts her with the truth about her kids being Jamie's and Cersei just kind of stands up and unabashedly said, yeah, they're Jamie's, you know, <laughs> thank God. Thank She's God. happy that they're Jamie's. She, she totally kind of owns it. I always thought that was seen, that scene was a really interesting mirror of um, Jamie and Callan's eventual conversation as well. <laughs> but um, I, I just, you know, reading the books initially, I totally bought that it was just, you know, this epic, love story it is that is kind of how it looks i mean if you can look past the whole incest (laughs) (laughs) which is interesting i also remember going why is the incest such a big deal because the targaryen incest was such a big part of the story to begin with about danny's pov yeah the ferris and danny were so kind of um icky incest to me (laughs) that i was like why is this incest such a big deal i never really did see the big because they're um, not Targaryens. They're not Targaryens. <laughs> which, is, which is a non-answer. <laughs> about the Targaryens, but, you know, there is, yeah, and there is this idea that of taboo with Jamie and Cersei, but, like, like Cersei says, the Targaryen married, Targaryens married brother and sister for, what, like, 300 years? Nobody cared? Like, Something like that, yeah. Why Why is this suddenly like, oh, no, it's so taboo because Jamie and Cersei are doing it? I mean, obviously, there's a treason aspect to me is, is obviously the, the real problem there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's exactly what it is. It's the, the fact that she is the queen and her kids are not the kings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I mean, I, I guess from a meta perspective, it's basically so we don't root for them like Lancelot and Guinevere. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think from a meta perspective, that is probably why. (laughs) Hmm. Um, 
That was good, Chicky. <laughs> that was some good discussion. Well, come on. How can we not talk about Jamie and Cersei? I mean, that's just... Well, I, I could, could... I could yeah. actually have to follow up that to that. Then do you like Cersei as a character? Me? I enjoy Cersei. I mean, when we eventually get her POV, that is some stuff. You know, <laughs> I really like yeah. that. Um, I don't like her. I'm not a fan of her. Uh, but I do enjoy that she exists in the story. I love the role that she builds. Yeah, I think I'm in that camp, too. I love, I, I would say Cersei's probably maybe my third favorite character. Like, just for the pure enjoyment of her crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoy reading Cersei's chapters. She's kind of like the the jackass, you know, the show <laughs> jackass of Westeros. Because it's like... Hey, this is Cersei Lannister, and today on Jackass, what am I going to do? You know. Hi, I'm Cersei Knox. Today on Jackass, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fuck everything up. Oh goodness! I does does anyone else want to go? We have anyone else for <laughs> Cersei? Opinion? I like Cersei. I, I like her. I I think she's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, and, and I, I do sympathize with her. She, I don't agree with her in anything. She's but... great at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Best huge. Uh, <laughs> all right, come on, give it to us, Gleb. I have so many involved and complicated feelings about Cersei Lannister. <laughs> oh my god, I just, I, I honestly, I, I would, I would fight. George R. R. Martin about Cersei Lannister. I quickly. Um, I just I I give me one. Love, just one. one. I love who I wish Cersei was. That that is that is my opinion on Cersei. I love who I wish Cersei was, but I think that as written, I I am extremely defensive of her, but I don't really like her. It's 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 I a complicated relationship. I, I, I can get that. I I feel like. I just have a lot of issues with the way that she's written. I feel like he does not like her as a character. I think that he basically hates her and he just kind of just piles on and piles on and piles on with her in a way that sometimes to me is a bit implausible and, and just does not make for a, a, I don't want to say well-rounded, but well, it, oh, to be fair, she seems like she might be a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That I annoys time me we too. get her POV, but I don't think to begin with. I don't think the Cersei we meet to begin with is unhinged at all. I think she has a personality disorder, but I don't think that makes you insane necessarily. Mm-hmm. I do read her as a pretty classic narcissist, and yeah. I think actually I do think as a narcissist, Martin has done a really good job with her. He oh, clearly yeah. knows one or has experienced. His life, he really she's, nails a lot of a lot of ex- a lot of the aspects. Yeah, she's an extremely accurate narcissist. That that is yeah. that is one hundred percent true. I just I just I I get so yeah, just head up about Cersei because I look at her and I can I I feel like I can see where it's going with her and I just I don't like it. I just uh, I wish she was she was other than than what she is. Yeah, I, I guess the reason I ask is because there's this uh, schism in fandom, and I don't. I think it's a misconception, but a lot of um, there seems to be some Cersei fans out there that think J and B shippers <laughs> hate her. <laughs> yeah, really? That's, that's that's a thing. It's definitely a thing out there. 
Although you do see some Cersei hate out there in the tags, like on Tumblr from time to time, but I, you know, I think those are kind of casual fans. I think most people who dig into either the book series or even the show, like even if you don't love Cersei, you really appreciate Cersei and that she exists and what she brings to the story. Yep. I'm just trying to do my bit to squash that <laughs> myth. Let's all get oh, along. By the way, I hate Cersei and I wish I could die. And, uh, Eric, no, it's not a podcast if someone says that. Yeah. Oh, I love the Cersei discussion. That was awesome. <laughs> So I did ask everybody to do a little homework 20 oh, minutes no. before we started recording. <laughs> Sorry. Is that homework? Yeah. Or is much. that more like crunch time? Crunch time. Yeah. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. <laughs> so I asked everybody to read, uh, from the first two books if you could come up with a line or a quote that um, tickled you in some way. Um, let's start with Eon. Sure. Okay. I found one. It's in A Clash of Kings. It's by Catelyn. And whenever she's um, in the dining hall with um, Brienne, um, and let's see, do you take messy notes? I do that. Oh. All the time. <laughs> I'm finding it okay. It's just whenever Brienne's like, "Lady Catelyn, you are wrong." Brienne regarded her with eyes as blue as her armor. Winter will never come for the likes of us. Should we die in battle, they will surely sing of us. And it's always summer in the songs. In the songs, all knights are gallant, all maids are beautiful, and the sun is always shining. And here's where I, I really, the quote that I really like is where Catelyn is saying, winter comes for all of us. Catelyn thought, for me, it came when Ned died. It, it will come for you too, child, and sooner than you like. She did not have the heart to say it. That's a classic. Uh-huh. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Young, young yeah, stole she, mine. Mine oh, too. Sorry. She, stole, she stole mine too. Come on, we were all oh, just lying. <laughs> You're all lying. That was mine. I'm being entirely honest. Shut I have it open. Up. I have it oh, written out right so here in my word document. <laughs> okay. Well, I still have one because I cheated and got one for Brienne and one for Jamie. So I still have my Jamie line. Do you oh, want to wow. hear it? Yes, I have a secondary one. Okay, everybody knows this one, too. Don't be mine, either. Um, guess what it is. It's, there are no men like me. There's oh. only me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't go for that because I figured someone else would have that one. I did. Good, good call, Glam. <laughs> Do you have another uh, Jamie one? Glam, or was it just that Brienne oh, one? I had the Brienne one, but then I had a secondary Jamie one, which now I have to pull it up because I have the Brienne one up. But um, it's it's <laughs> from one of the it's it's I can't remember whose chapter it is. It's somebody in King's Landing's chapter, and he's like at a joust, and it's not actually it's not actually like anybody saying anything. I just for some reason I always found it completely hilarious, and I think that I was sort of endeared to Jamie randomly, like way back in the first book when it happened, but. He's like at the joust, and uh, I think it's the uh, the hound unseats him in the joust, and <laughs> yeah. then his, his helmet gets dented. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, and it's this whole line about him like stumbling around and, and how they had to lead him off to the to the uh, blacksmith. And it's like 
they had to lead the lion of Lannister off to the blacksmith, you know, blind and stumbling. And I just, I always found that really endearing because he's a goofball. I totally forgot about that line. And I did <laughs> yeah. actually reread that bit um, prior to this recording. So I'm kind of, I'm really glad you pulled that one out because it was kind of, it was funny and not very typically Jamie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I That's can't such help a good but visual. Picturing, I can't help but picturing that happening in cartoon style. super exaggerated (laughs) yeah (laughs) well uh the one i picked um i think it was when um jamie um accosts ned and his men um when uh he finds out about Tyrion being captured and is jamie lannister poked at ned's chest with the gilded sword that had sipped the blood of the last of the dragon kings i just really like the way that's written (laughs) Um, it's very poetic okay so such a good scene too yeah yeah they did a good job on the show with that too i thought first season yeah it was it was a good glimpse into how much jamie also cares about Tyrion. you would think it was all cersei until you see that really yep Mm mm-hmm Okay, um, so we're going to wrap up with some emails and thank yous, um, Tumblr messages, and I've compiled them this time. Um, so this one, the first one is from Via 14 LOL. Um, high fives for all you guys. Great job recapping this season of Game of Thrones. I know it couldn't have been easy. Anyway, really appreciate it and hope you'll continue to do future podcasts. They really are the highlight of my week and I enjoy listening to you guys. And then she also said about the last episode in the podcast, you'll you basically said everything I hate it, and thought about it with this episode. <laughs> After I watched, I had to go and read over all of my favorite Jamie and Brienne chapters from the books, which is probably why we did this theme podcast. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, another Tumblr message from Comma Splice. After the disappointment of the finale, your podcast was just what I needed to make me smile. You all articulate it so well, just why I was disappointed by the finale, and you made me laugh. <laughs> I am looking forward to more great podcasts from the team. And then another Tumblr message from F7th. Thank you so much for additional duration during the last podcast. I enjoy your rants so much, guys. <laughs> Good thing, because that's all you got in the last podcast. <laughs> Not true. Oh no, Torg was happy. It's <laughs> very happy. Much too. But our then shame. we just ranted at Torg, so it was all real. <laughs> she just stoked our fires and made us rant. <laughs> A little for you. Okay, uh, but damn, do I love Brienne and the Hounds fighting? I'm a big fan of good fighting scenes in movies, and this is such a delicious treat. For a moment, I forgot that this was Brienne fighting for her life. Kudos to Rory and Gwen. Unexpected stars for the season finale. Hmm. Um, We have an email as well. Um, They're quite long and lovely, so I kind of pared them down a bit. Thank you. Um, Oh, the first one is from I Got an Obsession on Tumblr. She says, thank you so much for your awesome podcast. I only discovered it a few weeks back and have thoroughly enjoyed every minute of them as I go back through the Close the Door archives. <laughs> we have archives. <laughs> uh, I have just have a couple of thoughts, including a question. So I think we do have time if you guys want to go ahead and oh, answer Oh, we sure this. do. Okay. Throw that sure. Out. So her question is, regarding the interpretation of Jamie as being 
back in love, in quotes, with Cersei from the sort of hot and mostly annoying scene in which they tussled. Don't you think it's weird that he would realize Tyrion, release Tyrion with no hesitation at all in his actions if he were actually in love with her? There is no way that the show can make it seem that Cersei is ignorant of Jaime on this part. Jaime's part in this, sorry. So, hmm. You know, there there was a theory floating around um, after the finale um, that Jamie was playing Cersei as Cersei was playing Jamie. I, I don't personally buy into it. That was yeah. I don't. I don't. Theme. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't. I think Jamie, when he kind of looks at her, you know, it felt genuine to me. He's like, oh, she loves me again. The book, yeah. sadly, is <laughs> passionate. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was definitely uh, genuine on his part in the sense that she was telling him everything that he he wanted to hear, and I, uh, I'm not going to say it makes much sense that he then has no compunctions whatsoever or no, I mean, I, obviously he doesn't want Tyrion to die, but I I just. I do understand the disconnect from watching that scene in the White Sword Tower and then him immediately going and, and freeing Tyrion where you're kind of just sort of like, okay, where is he emotionally right now? But um, I think that's just the show being the show, frankly. What do you think? Uh, I think, um, uh, well, I, I don't think he was playing her. I think that's uh, going a little far, but that question did... Uh, spur on why did he make the decision to go rescue Tyrion after that scene and uh, then I thought she's talking about she's choosing which members of her family that she wants and I then remembered that the last line in the White Sword Tower chapter was he would write in the book whatever he chose. So that got me thinking, he's choosing Tyrion! <gasps> Yay! <laughs> what about you, Eon? Is he genuinely into her, or is he playing her? She's playing him. Oh, in the show, I think he's genuinely into her, but he still loves Tyrion, too. He... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I want to believe. And I, I I wish that's what it was, but I don't think it is. I I I think it's like uh, you said last episode. Eon, he was thinking with little Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Little Jamie was running the show. Boo! No. <laughs> I never. Thought well, I, I think it's kind Jamie of Lannister's penis, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the show has kind of, I think, portrayed Jamie as so definitely thing to love they just haven't been able to articulate that he he also breaks things off for love. i think that's the issue i think they just want you to believe that you know he can love cersei and he can love Tyrion, and he can try to uh do his best for both of them at the same time i think that is what the show is interpreting jamie as that's kind of my impression of what they're going for which is not what i feel like we see in the books but yeah. i guess that's a flat that's character. what they want to do than the one we love. <laughs> it's flatter. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so our last email is from Rose Hart, who always writes such lovely gushy emails. Aww. 
Um, congratulations, ladies. You've made it through the season, and you will be helping me get through the hiatus with all the wonderful ideas you have planned out for the podcast. Um, I didn't make a comment about the previous podcast with Common. I wanted to note how well you all did with recapping episode 9, even though it was a lot of action and set in the same location. But I loved <clears throat> Common's thoughts on everything, especially when she had different opinions and dislikes about certain parts, the lack of Stannis aside. <laughs> I enjoy so much the differing perspectives from the panel because it makes me look at scenes with a new eye and I appreciate them all the more. And you all articulate your feelings well. So it's never just a blanket statement, but it's backed up with an explanation. I also love Torg in the last episode for the same reason. Aww. I mean, no one would have faulted you for cutting off her mic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I enjoyed listening to as many different opinions as possible. And it was evident that all the members felt comfortable speaking their mind even knowing she may be in the minority. <laughs> may the last, um, this last episode was tough, but I love that you still found scenes that you enjoyed. Listening was cathartic for me, so thank you for that. I'm just so proud of you all <laughs> for this big step in having completed this season and starting a new phase of the podcast. You are doing an amazing job, and I know you will continue to do so over the hiatus. I'm so excited about the books and all of the JB love. And then she ends it with, love and exclamation points <laughs> so that was a great email thank you for that rose heart thanks for that thank one you. we did feel like we completed a marathon getting through the season so thank you i still can't believe like we did it like, <laughs> <laughs> like you look at that we... what the hell there's like 11 episodes here how the heck no. have we yeah. ever told anyone how this podcast started do people even know? I don't think so. Yeah. It, it, basically, we were in a chat one night, and we were talking about how much we would all love to listen to podcasts about Jamie and Brienne, and someone, <laughs> I'm going to blame YD, as one does, someone <laughs> said we should just start one. <laughs> we were all like, we should. And about a week later, we had like two episodes up. It was just the craziest, you know. Do it on the, do it on the cu off the cuff type thing. Yeah, like researching Google. How the hell do we do this? <laughs> I, I think I was paid to host this. I think I was drunk when I agreed to do it. Actually, we were all drunk. Yeah, yeah. high likelihood. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, it all just kind of fell into place. I guess. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we love getting emails from you and Tumblr messages. You can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com. Or, like I said, follow us on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Um, like and review us on iTunes, please, because we're no longer on new and noteworthy. <laughs> we're old <Aww>. and unworthy. <laughs> we're old. We're old and no longer noteworthy. So RuPaul has beat us again. No, he's <laughs> off too. He's, off he's no longer he's new too. and noteworthy either. Oh damn! Aw, that's okay. We beat him. That was my only goal. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, like us and uh, review us on iTunes. Bumps up our profile. Um, so remember, we're doing chapter reviews, and you can follow us along. Follow with us on Tumblr. So if you want to read along, please do. Um, makes my job easier if you also have questions based on those chapters. <laughs> Please do send them in. Um, Please send them in. <laughs> so thank you guys. Uh, it's been fun. So next week is um, Jamie 1 and Jamie 2 from Storm of Swords, right? Just so everyone is yes. aware. Yes. 
What is Please it? tune in, or Wait, don't. What is it? Maybe wise if you don't. It's game <laughs> one and two, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. This is important, because I tend to forget things. <laughs> <laughs> like, this uh, episode, for instance, it wouldn't have been anything without, like I said, Eon and Chicky, like, doing a lot of the research and pulling um, some great pieces out of the first two books. If not for them, this episode would have been 50 minutes of me heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no that, 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 and thanks to our guest glam thanks yes. for jumping in yes. glam to the first okay, crazy book episode no problem thanks so much okay good night guys night guys bye bye, bye. bye.